Good evening. Good to be together tonight. You know, Ben, you have to be careful about telling preachers to sit down. Because now I could stand up here all night if I wanted to. I don't know, that might get y'all standing up and walking out the back door. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to be in First Thessalonians 3 tonight. Uh, before we get into that, though, I feel like I would be amiss if I didn't offer a thank you for the baby shower today. Appreciate all those who were involved in that. Way too many names to name. But I think I can speak on behalf of the other three couples in saying that we appreciate being a part of this church family and appreciate the support from this church family very much. One thing that Leslie and I were looking for when we were looking for different ministry opportunities is a congregation of the Lord's Church where we could raise our children, where children could be encouraged to follow after Jesus by being surrounded by other faithful families and children. And I believe we find that here in this church family. We're thankful. But if you have your Bible, go to 1 Thessalonians 3. First Thessalonians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 8 tonight. We're going to continue our study of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, looking at this overall idea of having holiness and hope in a hostile world. Just looking at three verses tonight, First Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. I'm sure that we all know what it's like to receive a report card. Now, I'll leave it up to you to decide whether your report card looked like the one up on the screen. Maybe it was all A pluses, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's been a little while for some of us since we've received a report card, but we can remember what that was like. I remember when I was in school, we would get a report card every nine weeks, four times a year. The teachers would send it home in a yellow envelope to our parents to tell how we're doing in each class, to discuss our grades in each class. I want you to consider a hypothetical for just a second. What if you were to receive a spiritual report card tonight? What if tonight you as an individual were to receive a report card from God? What would that report card look like? What would it say? But then we think about not just us as individuals, we think about us as a congregation. What if the Seven Oaks Church of Christ were to receive a report card from God tonight? What would that report card look like? What would it reflect? What would it say? Because when you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we talked about this when we were together last, night, last week, rather, this time last week. Paul is concerned about the Thessalonians. This is a young church. These are young Christians. More than likely, this congregation had just been established about six months before Paul wrote this first letter to them. He was concerned about their faithfulness to the Lord. He was concerned that they were going to remain dedicated to the Lord. He was concerned about their relationship with God, especially when you consider the persecution that they would have experienced from the Jews within the city of Thessalonica. So what did Paul do? Paul sent Timothy to them. Paul himself was restrained by Satan from going back to the church at Thessalonica, so he sent Timothy to exhort them, to encourage them, to establish them in their faith, to check on their faith, to see how they're doing. When you come to 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 6-8, through 8, Timothy comes back to Paul and Silvanus bringing a report on the Thessalonians. To talk to Paul and Silvanus, Paul and Silas, about how the church at Thessalonica is doing. In many ways, when you look at 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 6-8, through 8, this is a spiritual report card for the church at Thessalonica. And so as we walk through this passage 
together. Let's think about ourselves as individuals. Let's think about us as a congregation. What if God were to give you? What if He were to give me? What if He were to give us a report card tonight? What would that report card look like? When we look in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 6-8, through and we think about the report card that the Christians in Thessalonica received, there are three main categories. And so let's notice those together. The first one is faith. In chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, think for just a moment, if we were to receive a report card from God tonight, what would it say about our faith? As you notice in 1 Thessalonians 3, in verse number 6, Timothy has come back from Thessalonica. He's come back to Paul and Silvanus. And notice that Paul says that he had brought them good news. I imagine Paul was relieved to hear that. We said that Paul was concerned about how they were doing. He was concerned about their faith. He was concerned about whether or not they would remain faithful to the Lord. And so when Timothy comes back and he brings this message of good news, I imagine Paul giving a sigh of relief. That word for good news there is the same word from which we get the English word, the word we use very commonly, gospel. It means good news. To announce the good news. To announce glad tidings. For example, back in the first century world, whenever an army would come back from defeating another army, when they came back to their city, when they came back to their nation victorious, they would announce the good news. They would gospelize. They would share the glad tidings that they were victorious. In the same way as Timothy comes back to Paul and Silvanus, he's announcing good news about the Thessalonians. What's the good news? He mentions two things, but notice the first one first. That Timothy has brought us the good news of your faith. When it came to the Thessalonians, they were maintaining a strong faith. Paul received good news about their faith. Consider the question for just a moment. What is faith? I imagine that all of us, if we were to ask that question to us individually, we would give different answers perhaps. I remember there's a preacher within our fellowship, very well known, named Dan Winkler. Maybe you've heard him preach before. Maybe you've heard of him before. Very well-known speaker. Very good speaker. He says that there are three basic components of the idea of faith. That first, if we're going to have faith, that means that we believe what God says. Romans 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. If you want to develop faith, then you have to hear the Word about Jesus and you have to believe it in your mind. You have to believe it to be true. You have to believe it to be trustworthy. You have to believe it to be reliable. But that's not where faith stops. Faith is also, number two, trusting in what God says. This is where it goes from the mind to the heart. I'm not, I'm not just believing God's Word to be true in my mind, but I'm trusting in it in my heart. Psalms 119 and verse 42 simply says, I trust in your Word. But that's not all either, is it? There's a third component when it comes to faith, and that's doing what God says. I'll start it, you finish it, okay? I gave you a heads up ahead, uh, ahead of time. James 2 and verse 17, faith without works is dead. And that's exactly what it is. If I believe in what God says, if I trust in what God says, but I'm not willing to do what God says, James says that that is a dead faith. That is a faith that has no life. That is a faith that is inactive. And so we step back and we ask the question, what is faith? I believe what God says. I trust what God says. I do what God says. That's what the Thessalonians were doing. 
That's the good news that Paul was hearing. They were believing God, they were trusting in God, and they were living faithfully to God. Notice how strong their faith is as you continue reading into verse number 7. Paul says, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Imagine your life. When you're in the midst of distress, when you're in the midst of affliction, what does it take to comfort you? What does it take to encourage you? Again, we might all answer that question differently, but I imagine it's not something small. If I'm going to be comforted in the midst of my distress, if I'm going to be encouraged in the midst of my affliction, then that's going to be something pretty big. I imagine that's going to be something pretty significant. Paul went through a lot of difficulty. Wouldn't you say that's true? Paul says here that he was in distress and affliction. That his life wasn't going as well as he wanted it to go. He found himself in painful circumstances. What was the thought that brought comfort to him? What was the thought that encouraged him? It was the good news of the Thessalonians' faith. He was comforted by their faith. I think that shows us how strong it is. The Thessalonians maintained a strong faith. Was it a perfect faith? Well, if you keep reading, we're going to talk about this verse more in depth when we come together, Lord willing, next week. But notice that Paul says in verse 10 of the same chapter that he's praying most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face. And watch this. Supply what is lacking in your faith. The Thessalonians had a strong faith. Did that mean that their faith was perfect? Absolutely not. Remember, this is a young church. These are young Christians. Paul says, I'm still wanting to supply to you what is lacking in your faith. Even though he was comforted and encouraged by their faith, that's how strong it is. It was not a perfect faith. And I find comfort in that idea, don't you? You don't have to have a perfect, flawless faith in order to have a faith that's strong. In order to have a faith that will get a good grade on your spiritual report card. We see the Thessalonians, now we think about us. If we were to receive a report card from God tonight, just like the Thessalonians received a report card from Timothy, what would it say about our faith? During the Blitz in World War II, when Germany was bombing the United Kingdom, there's a story of a father and his child. A building had just been destroyed and the father had taken his child by the hand and they were running away. They came to a huge shell hole. And so the father jumped down into it and was pleading with his son to jump into it with him as the buildings were falling down and strikes were continuing to happen. But the son was afraid. As he looked down into the hole, it was dark. He couldn't see his father and, and so he was very timid about jumping. The father looked up at his son as he could see the silhouette of his son with the background of the red sky from everything on fire. He said, I know you can't see me, but I can see you. Go ahead and jump. And the son overcame his fears, jumped into the arms of his father, and they were able to remain safe. I think that's a perfect description of what faith is, don't you? Sometimes, like Paul, we find ourselves in the midst of distress and affliction. Sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of difficulty and we feel like our life is crumbling around us. Then we look up to God and we can't see Him with our physical eyes. Faith is a willingness to jump into His arms even when we don't see Him. What does your faith look like tonight? 
Are you living a life where you're believing what God says? Trusting in what God says? Doing what God says? Faith without works is dead. James chapter 2 and verse number 17. If you were to receive a report card tonight from God, when it comes to your faith, would it bring comfort and encouragement? Or would it bring distress and affliction? But also remember that last idea from verse number 10, your faith doesn't have to be perfect for it to be strong. Sometimes we have different things that are lacking in our faith, don't we? Sometimes as Christians, we continue to doubt. We continue to question. We continue to sin. We continue to be disobedient. I find comfort in the idea that a strong faith is not a perfect faith. A strong faith is not a flawless faith. God is willing to work with us as we continue to grow in our relationships with Him. What about this second idea? If we were to receive a spiritual report card tonight, what would it say about our love? You look back at verse number 6, Paul is talking about, I received good news about your faith, but also notice that he says, I received good news about your love. Love is the single greatest characteristic in the life of a Christian. You go to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1-3. through 3. Perhaps you're familiar with this chapter. Oftentimes called the chapter of love. After Paul says he wants to show them a more excellent way at the end of chapter 12, he continues into these first three verses to basically say, it doesn't matter what you do, if you don't have love, then you're nothing. It doesn't matter what you do for the Lord. It doesn't matter what you do externally, if you don't have love, then it profits you nothing. He says, I gain nothing at the end of verse number 3. What distinguishes us as Christians from the rest of the world? Jesus says in John 13 and 35, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have correct doctrine. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you show up to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's not the message. He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love is what distinguishes us as Christians from the rest of the world. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 and verse 2 that we are to walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us. Paul looks at the Thessalonians and says, I've heard some good news about your love. Just like we said about faith. Love is not just feeling. Love is not just emotion. When we look at the Scriptures, love is an action word. Certainly it involves feelings. It involves emotion. But it is primarily rooted in action. It's primarily rooted in how we treat other people. For instance, go back just a couple chapters to 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 3 where Paul talks about the Thessalonians' labor of love. They were working for the Lord. They were laboring. They were willing to get their hands dirty. Where did that labor come from? It came from love. Love is not just feeling and emotion. Love is an action. And that's what the Thessalonians were doing. They had the feelings. They had the emotions. But they also had the action. Perhaps when you think about the Thessalonians' love, even when we think about our love as Christians today, we ask the question, love for who? Or maybe we ask the question, love for what? I believe if the Thessalonians receive it, rather if Paul received good news about the Thessalonians' love, then they were loving at least four different categories. Number one, I believe the Thessalonians were loving God. That's where it all starts in the life of a Christian, isn't it? Jesus calls Deuteronomy 6 and verse number 5 
the first and greatest command in Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38, what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's what the Christian life is all about. That's where it has to start. Love God with your entire being. Love God with everything that you have. I imagine that's something that the Thessalonians would have been doing. I imagine that they were loving their fellow Christians as well. Jesus gives a new commandment in John 13 and verse 34 that you love one another, but that's not really the new commandment, is it? The newness in this command is the extent to which this love is willing to go that you love one another as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Jesus commands His disciples to love one another just like He loves them. Isn't that what you see from the Thessalonians in chapter 3 and verse number 6 where He says, I've heard good news about your love and it's been reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. The Thessalonians had a love for Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. They longed for them just like they longed for the Thessalonians. They were remembering them kindly. Maybe your translation says they were remembering them affectionately. There were some enemies in the city of Thessalonica who were trying to convince the Christians there that Paul was speaking from error. Paul's telling you wrong. He's not telling you the truth. He has impure motivation. He's trying to deceive you. The Thessalonians didn't believe that. They were remembering Paul kindly and affectionately. They had a love for Paul. They wanted to see Paul just like Paul wanted to see them. Certainly, they were loving their fellow Christians. But wouldn't you also say that they were loving their neighbors? Jesus says the second greatest command, right after the first from Matthew 22 and verse 39, is originally found in Leviticus 19 and verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. When we love God with everything that we have, the natural next step is to love each person that we meet as we love ourselves. And then especially significant in the city of Thessalonica, I imagine that these Christians were loving their enemies, don't you? They certainly had a lot of enemies in the city. It wasn't easy to be a Christian in Thessalonica because of the persecution that they went through, because of the persecution that they experienced. But I imagine if Paul received good news about their love, they were doing what Jesus commanded in Matthew 5 and verse 44, to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Paul says, I've heard good news about your love. Love for who? Love for God, love for their fellow Christians, their neighbors, and even their enemies. What if we were to receive a spiritual report card tonight? What would it say about our love? What would it say about our love for God? Would it reveal that we're loving Him with everything that we have? What would it say about our love for one another? Would it say that we're loving one another just like Jesus loves us? That we're longing to spend time with one another? That we're remembering one another throughout the week kindly and affectionately? Would this report card say that we're loving our neighbors as we love ourselves? Loving and caring for, acting for the benefit of each and every person that we meet on a daily basis, would our report card say that we are active in loving even our enemies and praying for those who persecute us? When it comes to our love on this report card, would it be good news or would it be bad news? And then finally, number three, if we were to receive a report card from God tonight, what would it say about our steadfastness? 
You look in verse number 8, Paul says to the Thessalonians, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. That word standing fast refers to being steadfast. Being immovable as Paul talks about at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It refers to persevering and enduring. Putting one foot in front of the other. Able to stand underneath a lot of weight even when it becomes very difficult. This term is used by Paul throughout his writings as he writes to different churches. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, he says, stand firm in the faith. In Galatians 5 and verse 1, he instructs them to stand firm in the freedom that Jesus Christ has given to them and to not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In Philippians 1 and verse 27, Paul appeals for unity, that they stand firm. Notice about four lines up, standing firm in one spirit with one mind. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And then echoing what we find here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul tells the Philippians, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Paul is relieved to know that the Christians are standing fast in Jesus. They're placing both feet in Jesus and they're not going to go anywhere. They're persevering. They're enduring. Even in the persecution that they're facing, they're putting one foot in front of the other. It's not an option in their minds to leave Jesus. It's not a decision that they have to make on a daily basis. Am I going to follow Jesus today? Or am I not going to follow Jesus today? They were standing fast in the Lord and Paul was happy to know it. He says, now I can live. We might say, now I can sleep at night. Now I can feel joy and happiness in my heart. Because you're standing firm, steadfast in Jesus. What about us? If we were to receive a report card from God tonight, is that what our report card would say? Would it tell us that we are standing fast in the Lord? I'm reminded of an Olympian named Wilma Rudolph. When she was very young, she was diagnosed with polio and spent several years of her life on crutches. It took her years to be able to walk through painful physical therapy. Whenever she was able to walk, just like any other person, she tried out for the basketball team and she didn't make it. So she worked every single day for the next year, tried out again the next year, and made the basketball team, but sat on the bench. A track and field coach saw her, saw how fast she was out on the basketball court, and asked if she would consider running, if she would consider sprinting. And so that's what she did. Two months later, she was faster than every single person on the team. Fast forward to the year 1956, and she's representing the United States in the Olympics. She didn't perform very well, but that motivated her for four more years. In 1960, she came back and received three gold medals in that games in 1960. That was more than any woman had ever received up to that point in one games, one Olympic games. Wouldn't you call that steadfastness? Wouldn't you call that endurance? Wouldn't you call that perseverance in the midst of difficulty? That's what Paul is calling for in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 8. Stand fast in the Lord. Put both feet in Jesus and say, I'm not going anywhere. It's not even a decision whether I'm going to serve God today or not. It's not even an option in my mind to leave Jesus behind. To leave Jesus in the rearview mirror. Because even when it gets difficult, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to endure. 
I'm going to remain steadfast in the Lord. If we were to receive a report card tonight, is that what our report card would say? That we're standing fast in Jesus. Maybe it's been a while since you've thought about a report card. I want to invite you to think about one tonight, but from a spiritual perspective, if you, if I, if we were to receive a report card from God, what would it look like? What would it say about our faith? What would it say about our love? And what would it say about our steadfastness? One more idea than the lesson's yours. I think this is something that we need to point out before we close. That when we think about this report card, the final grade that we get is not determined by what we do. But instead, that final grade has already been determined by what has been done for us. Isn't that amazing to think about? I'm not saying that we don't have to work. I'm not saying that we don't have to labor. I'm not saying that we don't have responsibility to work every single day for Jesus. But what I am saying is this. If God were to give us a report card tonight, the final grade would not be based on what we do. I'm just going to speak for me. If my report card were based solely on what I do, then I would fail in every single category. What about you? If we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we're making Him out to be a liar and His Word is not in us. That tells me that every single one of us have something that we struggle with. It's not about me being a little better than you or you being a little better than me. I think I could speak for all of us tonight to say, if God gave us a report card and it was based on our own merit, we would fail in every category. Thanks be to God for what Jesus Christ was willing to do for us in His death, burial, and resurrection. That our final grade, when we stand before God on the final day of judgment, what we hear from Him is not going to solely be based on what we do. It's going to be based on what has already been done for us by Jesus Christ our Lord. If we can help you to step into that tonight, if we can encourage you tonight, if we can pray for you tonight, we'd love to do that. As together we stand and sing.